Remember R.J. Barrett's pink suit he wore at the draft or the formal wear he's been wearing for tunnel walks and other events? Those are all Indochino suits. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand, and it's the perfect time to order Indochino right around the holiday time period. You can get a custom suit where you choose your fabric, pick everything else, and submit your measurements. Your package is shipped right to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest location or showroom, or do it yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com. Promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. Incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You literally have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of That's What B Said, a Cleveland sports podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by ShipStation and Harry's Razors. We appreciate the likes, all the shares and the reviews and the interaction on Twitter. Don't be afraid to keep them coming. We love you guys, and we cannot thank you enough for the support. I am Bree at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined, as always, by Brittany at Bird's Eye View and Meredith at MCAN Sports. And guys... It's happened. We are no longer undefeated. Ladies, how you doing? This was bound to happen. <laughs> we we had a good run, ladies, but you know what? Time to retire. Um, <laughs> this this is our last show, guys. <laughs> the one we where we it. say goodbye. <laughs> we made it six whole episodes. Shoot. <laughs> oh well. What uh, are you gonna do? And you uh, know, you even drank your orange beer. Did you yeah, wear but your I blame you. You didn't I wear your Zubas. <gasps> I oh, didn't. Brittany. This is on you, Brittany. I didn't. Oh, Here, I was in fault. North Carolina, guys, and North Carolinians, they're not ready for the Zubas. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't handle it. No, I think you. they can't. I mean, I don't know. Okay, so I lived in Tennessee for a year, and I had to go to more uh, Tennessee Vols games than I ever wanted to. And what they wear to those games are nothing compared to Zubas. So I think if... Tennessee can handle those like seersucker striped overalls. I think that Ugh. North Carolina, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ugh. I think North Carolina could handle a little bit of Zubas, you know. And I went to oh, shout! I don't know if I, they don't listen to this, but like if they did, the, the Winston Salem Browns backers in North Carolina, great people, so much fun, very friendly. I love you guys, even though <laughs> I don't know if this they, goes they're to listening. North they're, they're listening. Well, they all, they will be now because we'll tell them to listen. Yeah, uh, we'll yes. we'll tag them on Twitter. Yeah, there we go. We well, I out. have I have another confession since Brittany confessed to the Zubas. Oh uh, no, I did drink my orange beer, but I didn't drink the whole can. So I also <gasps> feel like I have to take some <gasps> oh, responsibility no. and ownership. Brie. I know, you know it wasn't the t-shirts. It wasn't the t-shirts that everyone was wearing. It was it was us. It was know? 100% us. Freddie is off the hook. Yeah. So guys, you know what? Congratulations, <laughs> Freddie. You don't have to you don't have to blame your daughters anymore. That's right. So, Oof. let's talk about the disappointing Sunday game to the Steelers because we were all talking about how Pittsburgh started it and by golly, Pittsburgh mm. finished it. Mm. Is our season over? Okay. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, you came out there really confidently in that. <laughs> but let me, uh, according to stats, which I historically hate, I, I hate statistics, I hate math, I hate numbers, but according to these things, the Browns' chances are now down to 5% of making the playoffs. Brittany, that's so, all I need, 5%. So you're, say, so you're saying there's a chance. I'm in. You're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there's a Albeit a very small chance, statistically, there's still a chance, ladies. 5% is all I need to latch on to this. Guys, we thought we were going to go 8-0 for this back half of the season. 5%? I was 100, 100% I was all in. I was like, yes. Me and Mac Wilson are saying it's we're going. 4-0. Yes, that's 4-0. it. 4-0. So and, now here we are. I mean, yeah. I'll be I'll be honest. Uh, I did not think we were going to go 8 no but I did not think that this would be the game that the Browns lost. I thought, if anything, the Ravens game would be a loss. Um, I was hoping for two wins uh, against the Steelers. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. Possibly two wins against the Bengals, and then Arizona should be a win. So I was thinking it was going to be 7-1 and one down the stretch. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. there's still a chance for that. Still a there, chance. Yeah, there's there still is if uh, if they can somehow overcome Lamar Jackson. Yeah, but I mean, this one, this one hurt you guys. Yes. <laughs> I think just given how the the first game against the Steelers ended, obviously we we've all that does that does that game feel like eight months ago? Yes, that was yes. literally two oh weeks ago <laughs> so imagine like all the storylines that happen in between that like I... that's what makes the season feel so long all the time is like there's so much crap that happens in between games that it's just like my god will this season never ends yeah so let's talk about the bizarre just the bizarre brown season because we had another incident leading up to this game which was t-shirt gate and the fact that freddie <laughs> kitchens wore a shirt the pittsburgh started it shirt uh, specifically that caught a lot of buzz kind of took off um over the holiday weekend and then of course with the loss everybody was blaming the t-shirt and the coach for wearing the t-shirt which I think is just really ridiculous I, mm-hmm. I I understand if people think it's a bad look for your coach to be wearing it fine and he blamed his daughters which we can talk about that as well uh, for the reason that he was wearing the shirt but the reality is we didn't lose this game because of a t-shirt just like we didn't win a game because of Baker's mustache or vice versa <laughs> And we didn't lose because Baker's dad bought either. Okay, guys, that's that's not it either. Take take those takes and put them in the toilet. Um, but no, like when I saw that when I saw him wearing the T-shirt, my initial reaction was, "Wow, that's a really bad look." It just it, there's no way around it. Like it was, I guess, funny, um, but also like you're the head coach of a team. We're trying to make the playoffs. There's already been so much going on between the Browns and the Steelers. This probably wasn't a good idea, but I didn't say that because anyone who said that was kind of getting murdered. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep this opinion to myself, which you can do from time to time, guys who are listening. If you don't, (laughs) you could just not respond to things sometimes. It's fine. You're like, the world will go on. Uh, But in that case, I was like, this is not... Listen, I feel like this might come and bite us in the rear. Um, Having said that, I still tweeted and said, wouldn't it be funny if you wore it on the (laughs) sidelines? Absolutely. But wait, can we just, has this question been answered yet? Who took the picture of him? Oh, I wasn't it? I thought I thought it was Pumpkinhead. Oh, was God, tweeted I, it, right? really? Pumpkinhead again? I, I really don't think Pumpkinhead was at the movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard that it was a fan that took a picture with him, and I'm like, the, whoever this was that posted this on social media had to have known. Oh, it was. Oh, yes. oh yeah, Pumpkinhead was the one who. I don't know if Pumpkinhead was the one who took the picture with him, but he was yeah. definitely the first person to oh. post it on social. Yes, so. yes, that's the first place I saw it. I blame so, Pumpkinhead for all of this. Then. So one 100%. of two things: um, either Pumpkinhead was at the movie. Movies, um, which is I, I don't know. Hopefully, he was does wearing he, his um, pumpkin does head. He wear the pumpkin head? <laughs> <laughs> or does he second... do everything in the pumpkin head? <laughs> or the we should second... have him on here and ask. Oh my god, we should, we should. So, or the second scenario was that uh, a fan snapped the picture and then sent it to Pumpkinhead, who posted it to his like hundred thousand followers or whoever, mm, however yeah. many he has on Twitter. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I hate that we have to talk about this. I hate oh that my god, it it's became so a thing. Uh, I don't want to talk about this anymore, but I do want to ask you guys a question that I just thought of today. So we know that the schedule got easier the back half of the season. We've it talked, did. We've talked about <laughs> that a record, lot. Statistically, <laughs> the <laughs> numbers say it got easier. Yes, We're, Brittany, uh... who does not believe in the statistics, is statistically <laughs> quoting the season getting easier. <laughs> However, just thinking about this, if we had started our season with this stretch of games... Do you guys think, hypothetically, had our season gone down a different path? Ooh, that's a good question. I, you have to take into account that the, the Browns constantly shoot themselves in the yes. foot. They're constantly beating themselves. So I'm not sure that who they were playing. Like, uh, well, okay, probably like the Dolphins. Um, I mean, the way we opened know. against Tennessee, like, would it have been different? Or would we have shown up that way against a Miami or against the Bengals? I feel like you know? if, our, if our first game was against Miami, we would have been fine. Um, even if it were against Cincinnati, we probably would have been fine. 
Uh, and we still get to play the Bengals two times, ladies. So that'll help. That helps our cause, I think. Ooh, Although does it? They just, Andy Dalton's back. That's true. <laughs> they just won. So you know what? Never mind. I'm just gonna stop talking. <laughs> I'm mean, done talking I, today. <laughs> I'll. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say that I think that the season would probably have a different feel to it, uh, just because there's a possibility of starting, say. Six and two versus two and six for the first half yeah, of the season. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that has a little bit of momentum, and I think wins right out of the gate would have helped a lot with the confidence, confidence factor for the team because I think that's definitely one of the things that's plaguing Baker Mayfield right now is he is so used to, I guess, immediate adversity and then coming o- overcoming it immediately. Like you're not a starter at Texas Tech. Okay, I'm going to walk on at Oklahoma and be a Heisman Trophy winner like okay people are telling me I'm too short so guess what I'm gonna be the first overall pick in the draft like so he he has these like little bumps in the road and then immediately gets over them and has like instant success and it feels like this is the first time in his entire career that there's been adversity that he hasn't had instant success as the follow-up and so I think that has that that's shaken him a lot yeah. Uh, this season and I think that's one of the things that's kind of plaguing him is you know just the the fact that there wasn't this adversity followed by instant success so yeah. uh, I so I do think that having the reverse schedule probably would have a very very different feel um, people would I think there would be a lot more leeway for Freddie if the front half of the season was you know two uh, six and two the back half was two and six and then you wind up eight and eight like I think that there would be a lot more leeway for Freddie if that was the case yeah what do you think Brie I I think I I was along along the same lines as Meredith with just having that confidence builder like right out of the gate yeah what could essentially turn could have helped maybe turn things around versus starting off the season just so tumultuous with how they played against Tennessee and then you know, the the Rams, I don't think anybody really expected them to win necessarily. So mm-hmm. I think that was kind of a toss up. Like you weren't expected to win. But I think having some of those wins under your belt right off the bat would have just maybe led us down a different path and direction. We wouldn't have cared so much yeah. about visors and watches and T-shirts. Oh and oh and I don't know. Every week. I don't know if Baker Mayfield's wife would have would be tweeting at MKC. I wonder if she's blocked, by the way, from MKC. <sighs> Oh, but I, when those, I saw that, yeah. these things are all happening, and it's it's been such a season of turmoil and mm-hmm. things that we've talked about on this podcast and just even on Twitter have all been about things happening outside of the playing field, and I think that weighs on. I think it weighs on the players and the fans, and I think the coaching staff and all of us because. The expectations were obviously very high coming into the season, and that just hasn't come to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, speaking of like the whole Emily Mayfield at Mary Kay. So, what was that tweet, by the way? I missed it. Okay, so Mary Kay asked the question, which yes, wait, Brittany, can you please read what happened because I am blocked, and I know a lot of our listeners are also blocked by MKC, Ah, so we couldn't see what Emily added. All right, hold on, I gotta pull it up, guys. So let's look up. There you are. There's my queen. She might have deleted it. Well, that would be a shame. Yeah, because I looked through her timeline and I didn't see it. Yeah, she deleted it. So Emily's just, she's one of us, guys. She's very reactionary. So what had happened was... Uh, Mary Kay asked the question, of course, you know, about the T-shirt after the game. She And I, I understand that. Like, I feel people were criticizing... Uh, Mary Kay for doing this and I I get that to a point but also you she had to ask the question because because he did what he did he wore this and you know it was such a already tumultuous you know relationship between the Browns and Steelers and things got so much worse a couple weeks ago he did this and you had to ask the question um so she did and you know Emily, she asked it to, well, okay, she asked it more than once, so I'm not going to defend her too much. Uh, But she asked Baker about it, um, to which he said, you know, I've done worse. But she quote tweeted Mary Kay, um, like saying Baker's response, like I've done worse. And Emily said, you know, this is the focus of the game. Like why, basically, that, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but... You know, she called her out, and then she even added her in the quote tweet, which, I mean, that took balls, guys. I don't think yeah. I've ever even done that. So <laughs> hats off to you, Emily. 
But yeah, yeah and then this whole thing, I think, pretty much led into then like a discussion and conversation. Again, it was like media versus the fans, right? Yes. And social media's play. And it was Jason Lloyd, I think, then after this all happened that tweeted about why do the fans for Browns blame the media for the Browns being bad versus actually blaming the players and the staff, which I will just say on this, I think if you're on Brown's Twitter, you see the shitstorm that goes down after every single loss. And oh, yeah. everyone's blaming everyone. <laughs> sure. Just, and everyone is blaming. There's p- finger pointing happening all over the place. Yeah, I mean, like, I will, constantly. I will say this, uh, I guess, like coming from the point of view of the media, because there have been times uh, where we have literally had fans will say to us, this is all your fault. And I and I know a lot of people were kind of coming back at, at Jason saying, no, Browns fans don't do this. But there are there are ha- there have been ones that have legitimately said this is the media's fault. Like they'll come up to us. They'll call us up on the radio. They'll tweet at us on Twitter and say this is your fault. And, I, and granted, it's not a lot. But I think what Jason said does have validity, because if you think about it, even if it's only one person that is tweeting and calling into radio stations, that's still one more person that's a Browns fan versus Indians fans or Cavs fans. And it's such a bizarre thing. And I just don't understand where, like, the vitriol towards the media comes from. It comes Um, from the TMZ-esque questions, and it comes from the members of the media trying to insert themselves in stories. You know, we should never have to listen to stories about media members. And that feels like a lot of what we talk about, like all of us. And, you know, with that tweet, especially when he said, you know, the fans blame the media, we don't. Like, I, I get that, you know, some people may call in, you know, one or two people say that, but like to, to send a tweet out like that saying, why do fans, plural, meaning like all of us as a collective, why do they go out and, and say, this is your fault? I have never once said the Browns are playing bad because of, you know, the, the media. I never once said that, you know, Freddie Kitchens is failing because of, you know, Mary Kay. That doesn't happen. So you, I've seen, and I don't mean any disrespect. I really don't. But like this kind of has me heated because I've seen a lot of pearl clutching lately from the media, you know, over the past couple of days. Um, you know, I know that Browns fans are a little insane and brutal. We can, <laughs> we can all agree on that. Um, but if I know that, if you two know that, if you know we all know all the fans know that the media should also know that and like they kind of knew what they were getting themselves into and the problem that we have now is that you know twitter makes everyone so accessible so these people could just scream into this void all day and at people all day and it wasn't always like that i was talking to my dad we were on our way home from north carolina the other day and we were having this discussion we were talking about you know the media's and the fans sort of never-ending fight that we're having um but he said you know back in the day back in my day you had to write letters <laughs> I had to, to write a letter yeah it took days to get there but and i was like yeah but that like that's so not it anymore and i i feel for these people to a point um because it's, it's i don't care how thick-skinned you are it's never super easy to just have people screaming at you all day like i get that i get tons of shit on twitter all the time um but like these are paid professionals you knew what you're getting into you knew these people are you know obnoxious and god i love you guys but like you know we kind of are so like all this pearl clutching and saying oh well i don't understand why well it's because some of these questions that you're asking are very you know tabloid-esque and we yeah we're tired of it so that's a really fair point, and I'm actually like glad that you were able to kind of explain it to me, Brittany, but I will say this about media. So I've been, I mean, I've been in sports media for about 10 years. Uh, I've worked in a few different markets, and yes, it's true, like media understands that Browns fans are, are insane, mm-hmm. but it's one <laughs> of those things, you don't truly understand it until you're in it. So when I was living in Nashville and covering the Titans and covering the Predators, like we would hear stories about the Browns fans and the media relationship and we would laugh and be like, oh, that's funny. And then I came here and I'm like, oh my God, like it's a thing. So... <laughs> like it's not funny anymore. <laughs> Please stop yelling at me. <laughs> so I will say like, 
I, I do I understand where you're coming from with like the TMZ like questions and I, I tend to agree with you on that um, sometimes I think it is a situation of needing to stick a little more to I and I'm never I'm never the stick to sports person but I'm never I'm never the stick to sports person but mm-hmm. this might be the case where you bought something that I like truly understood until I was here I've been in Cleveland for three years and sometimes it still takes me by surprise on a daily basis. Like sure. it's it's crazy. Like I you mean, guys yeah. are, like I, I mean, said, you're like you're like social, lovable crazy. Yeah, so crazy media has made it so much worse, and I get that. Um, and I don't think that the the reaction the fans had would have been as hostile if Mary Kay didn't have a history of doing things like this. You know, if it were just some random reporter who asked this question, it probably would have been fine. Because if you think about this logically, you had to ask the question. You, there was no way around it. You just had to. Um, I, I didn't listen to the presser, so I didn't, I don't know what all happened. I was on the road, but, um, I would have hoped that they, cause my first question was, did anyone ask Freddie about abandoning the run? Like that would have been my number one question because that was so alarming to me. Um, and maybe at this point in the season, it shouldn't be, but like that, that second half, you know, you had, um, Chubb who only got six touches, Cream Hunt who got zero and it was working. He was getting like eight or nine yards in the first half per carry. I didn't understand. And I wanted an explanation for why. Now, when I asked that question, most people just continued to attack Mary Kay. One person said that, yes, Freddie did ask that question or uh, Mary Kay did ask that question. And, you know, Freddie gave some lame answer or whatever. But, you know, I don't mind that specific question with it. As far as the other TMZ style questions go. As long as you sprinkle in some like actual <laughs> questions that we want to hear about about the game, things that pertain to, you know, the well-being of this team, um, that's all I'm asking for. Yeah, and I, I, I'll just add on to this. It's not even just the TMZ type style questions. It's the amount of times that they ask the questions. They just yes. rephrase yes. the same thing over and over again. And yes. Meredith, I think you've said before they're doing it because they're not getting the answer that they want, and the answer that they want is a headline that they can write about or put out there that they know will get clicks. And that mm-hmm. is what bothers me the most. It's yeah. the fact that it is, it's coming from a selfish place and not necessarily about sharing knowledge or spreading information that is actually helpful in what the fans want to read about. Because I'm going to be honest, like I would rather read the information about the football game and breaking down the film. And there are some really good ones out there. Um, Jake Burns is one of my favorites who puts out really, really yes. good tweets and articles and also content. Also in the Blue Wire family. And he is yeah. in the Blue Wire family. Um, and and he breaks things down. And I love it because he just brings a different aspect to yes. to the, the, the fans. And I think a lot of fans appreciate him. Uh, Doug Lamarice is another one. I love his articles that he puts out. Um, mm-hmm. I think he actually posed a very good one that we're going to get into here in a minute, but there yes. are some good ones out there. And those are the, the things that I'm looking for. And I think it's the Tony Grossies and the Mary Kays of the world that we've just been fed all of this negative information that truly is only ever focused on the negative and nothing really ever about the positives. Yes. It's focused all on distractions. Yes. Everything that has nothing to do with football, actual football, like that's the problem. And yes, you know, after years of it, we're just tired of it. It seems like it was amplified this year specifically and like we just can't handle it anymore. Well, I will. So I will defend um, the people in the media um, just because they're, they're, they're my people. <laughs> Someone um, has to. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I, 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 you know, everyone is good at their job. Like I will say that like everyone has is everyone in the media is incredibly talented and they're very good at their job. Um, Mm -hmm. And to defend them, they are also sick of it. Um, You know, they want to report on the things that you guys want to hear about. But I think because of just the absolute circus that's been happening in Berea just nonstop for the past 20 years, like Mm -hmm. that's what their job has devolved into. And, you know, it's not that they want to write clickbait headlines, but they just have to write the things that they know they have to they just have to they have to write what they know fans are going to latch on to and it's definitely not a let me see if i can get the most clickbaity thing possible like that's not really the goal um i wouldn't call it selfish but it is just one of those of you know when there is when there's a story whether it's 
sports or non-sports, they have to write on the story. So mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it's not them just trying to stir shit up. It's just kind of how it, it's the hand that they're playing the hand that they're dealt. And unfortunately, they're dealt a shit hand a lot of times. Sorry, yeah. I, I used a bad word twice. That's OK. <laughs> well, listen, I, I mentioned this, but Doug Marie's put out a really good article um, that was essentially about can we talk about fixing the Browns before firing Freddie? And we're going to get into this. But before we get into this, I'm going to transition over to our quarterback who has been changing his look quite often. And if you want to change your look quite often, your facial hair specifically, you can do that with Harry's razors. You can have a Fu Manchu one week. You can have a freshly clean shaven face another week. Like Baker Mayfield often changes his look as he quarterbacks the Cleveland Browns week after week. And it is the holiday season again, so this would be a great time to buy into Harry's razors. It's a perfect gift. Holiday sets start at just $20, and that's within Secret Santa limits. Harry's blade refills are as low as $2 each, so you will be saving money over time. And it comes in a ready-to-gift, handsome holiday gift box. Also, your gift gives back. 1% of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations. As a special offer for fans of this show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Plus, you'll get free shipping. Each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted handle with option to engrave, five-blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, travel cover to protect your blades, packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. The holiday rush is here, and you have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders? How do you decide which shipping carrier to use or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. So back when I was a social media manager, I don't know if you guys know this, um, I used to use ShipStation, and it was super easy. We used to send out all of our... um, we used to do like giveaways. It was a fun time. It looked like I was working at like a, a weird, um, like Japanese station. <laughs> it was all neon colored and stuff. These were the Facebook lives that we did. But anyway, after we were done, you know, I had to, to get all these people's names down and, and ship them out. It took like 10 minutes. Super easy. Loved it. So that's my experience with ShipStation. But ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation. Make ship happen. All right, so we are going to talk about... We have a reoccurring segment on this show, and it's called Should Freddy Get Fired? (laughs) (laughs) Because it seems like every week we pose this question, win or loss, and I wanted to talk about this article uh, from Doug Maurice, and I'm going to kind of give you guys the abridged version if you don't mind, Uh, but it made me really stop and think because I was reacting after the game on Sunday. It was a knee-jerk reaction. I was like, fire Freddy, fire everyone. I'm done with this. You know, Mm -hmm. this is every loss. Oh, yeah. But he he wrote this really good article just about, can we calm down a minute? And instead of trying to fire everyone, like, let's let's just think about this for a minute. Can we fix things before we have to fire everyone? Mm -hmm. And this kind of goes along with what we were talking about with the media and how it kind of goes into all of this and just kind of stirring the pot and stirring the drama. And I wanted to just read a quick excerpt from this article. And in this, he's really talking about the talent is there with this team. The five and seven record record certainly merits frustration, but there is a toxicity around the Browns that I think can affect those new to it. The Browns so often have tried to be tough this season because they can always feel like they're fighting back. We talked about this. 
Every loss is a disaster and every t-shirt is a catastrophe. And while the Browns often bring it on themselves, the franchise has reached a point where it never gets a pass. Every problem needs an immediate answer when sometimes what you need to find a solution is time. Mm -hmm. And that quote right there kind of, it was kind of an aha moment for me because Mm -hmm. I think we are in a time where we're prisoners of the moment and the immediate response to everything that goes wrong is to Mm -hmm. fire everybody and start over again. And I know, Brittany, you wanted to talk a little bit about this today because you had actually sent both Meredith and I a text message on yesterday on Monday about having some perspective on this as well. Yes. Um, And I'm just going to read this text message verbatim because it was so well put in a way that like even I couldn't do. And I've never sat down and like really thought about this. So I'm just going to read it verbatim. Um, So bear with me here. It's from one of my very good friends, Will Burge. Uh, He also listens to this. So hi, Will. I'm about to read this. Hey, Will. (laughs) Uh, He said, he texts me. He's like, I have a very rational take for you. And I said, all right, hit me with it. He said, the Browns are exactly where they're supposed to be. When Dorsey hired Freddie, he wasn't planning on competing for a Super Bowl this year. He was planning on 2020, 2022. That's when all the rookie deals expire. That's why he hired Freddie, to grow with this team and quarterback. When OBJ became available and they trade for him, which obviously you have to do, and all of a sudden expectations change, and this is a team that's supposed to compete for the Super Bowl. But Dorsey himself said multiple times this offseason he doesn't believe that jump is a real thing, especially for a team this young. So if the OB trade is never made, we're frustrated with this team, sure. But we're also saying, damn, that's one of the most talented young teams in the NFL and probably will be a contender next year. One, cha- one trade changes the optics, but not the reality, which I love that line because you think about it and you're like, okay, that's very smart. So that doesn't mean Freddie's the guy, and it certainly doesn't mean this team could have bought into their own hype, but it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. In fact, this is just the beginning of the ride with this team. And you know what? I was all about firing Freddie immediately. Like right afterwards, Same. after that loss, I was like, fire everyone, I don't care. That was my attitude. And it took a lot for me to get to that point, guys, because remember, I'm always like, you know, I try to keep things pretty positive. Um, But after that one, and I think it was because it was the Steelers, because it was to a third string quarterback, because there was really no reason to lose that game. um, I was just totally frustrated. And I was like, fire Freddie, fire everyone. But, you know, between that text that I received and then, you know, the article by Doug, I've been sitting here and I'm stewing and I'm like, all right. Like, sign me up. I'm ready to get back on my bullshit, guys. I'm ready. <laughs> Don't week. fire Freddie. He's going to have another year. And one of the yeah. things that I wanted to say um, before I sort of settled down, <laughs> before I started getting rational again, um, was that, you know, I, di- I, I knew that we were going to have another season of Freddie because everyone wanted him fired immediately. They're like, does he still have a job Monday morning? Like, he needs to he needs to be shipped out immediately and you know whatever but in my mind i was like well no like john dorsey he's not gonna that would require him to admit that he made a mistake he hired the wrong guy you know it's time to start over you're aborting the plan in with four games left and you know that wasn't gonna happen that's not what john dorsey does um so that was my my thing about you know that but now that I think about it, now that I'm settled down and, you know, I'm a calm person again and I'm back to being a little bit more positive, I'm like, okay, you know, Freddie, this is his first year. Maybe we should cut him a little bit of slack. He did have a lot, but again, the t-shirt didn't help. That rubbed me the wrong way. So uh, we'll chalk it up. Yeah. I think that I think that Freddie is still kind of uh, finding his way because mm-hmm. he got promoted so fast. Like he went from being a running backs coach that nobody had ever heard of to Mm -hmm. suddenly being the head coach of an NFL team in less than 12 months. So um, I, I still question Freddie a lot. I I don't know if he is the right coach for this team. Um, You know, I'm still, I don't know. I I go back and forth on it. Um, I I, I don't think he's going to get fired. I don't think that he should get fired either. But I think it's just one of those things where because he's kind of learning on the job, I want to see his ability to learn and grow. Because yes. if he can successfully correct his mistakes 
from week to week because we know the personnel themselves are having mistakes. Like there were, you know, there was again another legal shift penalty last week. And those pissed me off so much because there's no reason that those kinds of penalties should ever happen. Those are just mental errors. Those are bonehead mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we need to see his ability to get the players to fix their errors from week to week. But then Freddie needs to fix his errors from week to week. And I think as long as he shows improvement in that way, he keeps his job. And that sort of shows that he does have the ability to be a head coach in the NFL because he just there's just not a lot of experience underneath his belt. And so I think that's kind of where I stand with him. So it's a it it's always a going back and forth because when he makes really bad play calls or when he does, you know, really dumb things, you're sitting there saying, oh, fire Freddie. But then you have to, you know, take a step back and realize, like, he's like the baby Yoda of the NFL right now. Like, Ew, no, he's not. Don't you dare disrespect <laughs> baby Yoda like that. OK, I think my problem with Freddie is that and, and Freddie's biggest problem is Freddie himself. He tries to, like, outthink everyone. He tries to outsmart everyone and it makes him, like, get cute when really, Freddie, like you're, the the play calling could be so much simpler. It could be so much more effective if you just cut out all the crap and just did what worked. Ugh. And I think that's why fans are so frustrated because you're you're seeing this over and over again. And we were just like, okay, like that. That's why my biggest question was, why did you abandon the run? Like, why did you do that? Here's what I'm gonna say. I actually don't think he's trying to outsmart anyone. I tr- here's my take after I've had a couple of days to rationalize. We look really, really good at the start of the game. We look really good on our first drive. We typically have scored a touchdown or scored points. That is scripted. So Freddie is coming to the table and to the game prepared. It is when things happen that aren't supposed to happen where we look extremely flustered. And that goes on both offense and defense. So to your point in the second half, when – the Steelers came back and tied the game to go into halftime. We go into the second half. Steelers make adjustments. We don't. Mm-hmm. We then kind of break down and Steelers score. And now we're playing from behind. And it was almost like there was still so much time left in the game. But it was as if we panicked immediately and had to throw the ball the entire time. It was like we were down by 21 points. And yes. then we put ourselves in a position where our defense played really poorly. But they did give us two chances at the end of the game to come back to tie with the interception we ran three times and I think that's kind of what you're alluding to those three plays killed us because Mm -hmm. we had a chance to get some yards and we ended up throwing three times and taking a sack on the very last one which put us out of field goal range and not getting any points on the board and what I will say and Meredith I agree with you on what you said because I do think Freddie is brand new to this, so he's learning on the job as he goes. And I think he acknowledged in his press conference that he should have ran the ball. And looking back at it, he's critiquing himself and saying, yes, I should have done this and this. And I think it all goes back to all of this is new to him. And he's being put in a position to make decisions in the moment that aren't scripted. And I think the only way that you can get better in that is by doing it. And that's Mm -hmm. what's happening this year. And unfortunately... All of this is happening when we have a very talented roster. So I yes. think that makes it extremely hard to swallow altogether. And also, yes. I think, uh, Brittany, your friend had an amazing point. Um, if Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't get traded to the Browns in the offseason, I think this is also a yep. very different look. Because if you look at it, you know, if you take Odell Beckham Jr. off of the team, you still have some of the most talented wide receivers in Jarvis Landry. You've definitely got two of the most talented running backs in the NFL in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, and before the whole thing, you had, you know, Miles Garrett in, in the secondary. So there's just there's so much talent on this team minus OBJ. And then when you add that superstar factor in there, I think that was kind of like the monkey wrench into the Browns plans yeah. in a way. Uh, now, uh-huh. that being said, I still want OBJ on this team. Like I want yeah, OBJ sure. on this team long term. I am happy that John Dorsey was able to get him in the offseason, and I do not regret that for a second. But I mm-hmm. do think that having Odell Beckham Jr. comes coming in is kind of what shot those expectations from, you know, from the moon to the sun kind of thing. Yeah, so, absolutely. And I think that's kind of where this trouble is. So when you have, so if, you know, if your friend's speculation is correct, and it, it very well could be where, you know, John Dorsey is looking at 2021, 2022 as the Super Bowl years for this team. 
um, that makes sense. And then all of a sudden you put in a talent like OBG, OBJ and it's kind of like what the Indians did with Yasiel Puig in the, off, in the Indian season where it was like, that's a win now move. Like adding Yasiel Puig to the roster is a win now move. Adding Odell Beckham Jr. to the roster is a win now move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we have to acknowledge too that the trade of Kevin Zeitler, because every, everybody's talking about the offensive line this week too, just considering Baker got sacked five times, and we yeah. couldn't we couldn't pass the ball well on Sunday. But the Kevin Zeitler trade and OBJ transaction being involved in all of that, I think John Dorsey's solve was Austin Corbett would just fill in, and that clearly did not capitalize. So you go into a season where you added OBJ and you added some of these superstar powers, but you had an offensive line going into the first game of the season that wasn't solid. Because if you remember, we added two guys on our roster at the beginning of the season coming out of training camp. That shouldn't happen. So I think... In, in hindsight's 2020, right? You look back at this now and you're like, oh, wow, we probably shouldn't have expected that this season was just going to happen swimmingly. Yeah, 100%. All right, guys, I think that's enough Browns talk today. Uh, we have yes. another game coming up. We will hopefully be podcasting after a win, but I was pretty busy today and I logged onto Twitter when I got home and you know, I was getting over my Browns losing, starting to look ahead to Cincinnati and hopefully a victory. And I see reports of Frankie Lindor and the Indians <laughs> potentially being traded by the deadline. Mm-hmm. And it just put me in this really, really bad place. Like, man, do we do we really have to talk about this right now? And are we really going to lose our fun Mr. Smile superstar for the Indians? I feel like if they're already talking about this, if they're already putting this plan into motion in any way, it's done. It's like, what's the point of even like, what is the point of any of this? Like, are you just planning to be bad this year? Is that the game plan going into this season? I I don't know. Like, (laughs) I understand, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to afford him. You know, he's, well, I don't know that they can't, they won't, they won't pay him. Um, But like, to, to start this talk right now, and it's winter meetings, whatever, but you, these executives are saying, oh, you know, it's not if, it's when they trade Frankie Lindor. I mean, like, that puts such a damper on everything. Like, who's motivated to, like, who's going to get excited for this? Uh, can I introduce a conspiracy theory? Yes, please. Yes. So, a uh, friend of the show, James Rapine, who also covers the Indians uh, here in Cleveland, uh, he and I were talking today and he made a comment about the rumors about Francisco Lindor. And he doesn't think that the Indians are the ones who are making these comments. He thinks it's the teams that are interested in Francisco Lindor trying to essentially speak it into existence. Kind of like the Browns did with with OBJ. So he doesn't think that Francisco Lindor will be uh, traded, at least in the offseason. And he thinks that a lot of these... Uh, reports that are coming out are from the teams that want Frankie Lindor. And that is the Hmm. speculation that I want to latch onto for so many reasons, because I think it's very creative. I think it's very plausible. uh, I believe it. And also if by, you know, if, if the stars align and somehow the Indians do trade Francisco Lindor, you know, by the trade deadline and break all of our hearts, then whoever put out that rumor in the first place did speak it into existence and I just want to be able to do that for myself sometimes. Like, if I just keep talking about Ryan Gosling marrying me, like, maybe it'll happen one day. Hey, but Browns fans did speak the open. <laughs> they, they did. did. They we did. were successful there. So I'm, I'm feeling a little bit uh, un, it's unnerving that they're doing this because we've seen it happen before, guys. I mean, maybe they're taking uh, a, a leaf out of the Browns fans playbook. There you go. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to be us? <laughs> yeah, I have nothing more to say about that because that we don't want to end the show on a a sad note. So no, let's talk about something fun. I have a funny story. Well, I, it's kind of funny from this Sunday uh, that put a smile on my face after a after the Browns horrible loss. So y- you guys know I work in Pittsburgh. So I work with mostly people that are Steelers fans. And mm-hmm. well, I hate most Steelers fans. I have to say that I do like my coworkers. Um, and <laughs> Our good friend and listener of the program, Gabby, um, Gabby. who I always 
see posting things on Twitter. She's sassy. She's fun. She's a huge Browns fan, but she also lives in Pittsburgh. Yes, poor girl. I get a picture sent to me, a DM on my Twitter page, <laughs> and it was from Gabby, and it's oh. her and her friend, her girlfriends, and they're with a guy. And for a minute, I like looked at the picture that she sent to me, and I thought it was a Steelers player because in her picture it it said, and I I'm gonna quote, but I'm gonna also make this PG F the Steelers. And I was like, oh my gosh, she got a picture with a player. <laughs> and then I zoomed in a little bit. It was my coworker. Oh my god! <laughs> so I, st- I, they all looked clearly like they had like maybe way too many drinks at that point in time. Of course. Of course. And so I immediately am like, oh, my gosh, I work with him. So I send him a message and I was like, I just saw a picture of you with a Twitter, a a Twitter Browns person that I interact with. And his response was, I went up to her and said, I know you from Twitter. And it's all my fault because oh he sees God. me liking and responding to all of her posts. So, like, oh my gosh, is this actually so he, acceptable to like go up to someone and say, "I know you from Twitter"? Is that like, crazy? This happened. That feels. Listen, that feels if you're creepy. gonna buy me a drink after saying that, yes, one hundred percent. Please come tell me you know me from Twitter, and then oh buy me buy me a shot of Jameson. We're good. And take a picture and send it to me. I will have to say, I will preface this with, I this my coworker is amazing. He has a girlfriend. Like he was not hitting on her by any means. It was just a. I think he was in a moment of. This girl always pops up on my timeline, and it's all yeah. your fault, Brie. Like yeah. this is why this happens. <laughs> You feel like you know these people. That, that's so strange. That's like Browns fans are all one big family, guys. That's yeah. right. Fine. Yeah. I don't know. I've never. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever like seen someone on the street that I necessarily recognize from Twitter. Nor has it ever happened to me. So I don't. I don't know how I would react if that ever happened to me. If someone came up and were like, "Hey." Like, I know you from Twitter and I oh, it'll I, happen. I think my first response would be, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, these were just like my two worlds colliding. And it just, you know, I get a lot of heat at work for like, oh, Breezy Clee, like podcast Bree, you know, like, I, so I try to keep this like. I try to keep it under wraps, but man. Oh, it's... God. I feel like you need to change your Twitter handle to podcast breed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, moving on, guys. Come on. Let's move on. Yes. Let's move on. Oh, man. So in other so, news in the sporting yeah, world, yeah, in the college yeah. football world, uh, I, ha- about I, this. I did have a good Saturday because Ohio State beat Michigan again. Uh, and we're headed to the Big Ten. I say we as if I played. Uh, they're headed to the Big Ten Championship um, on Saturday against Wisconsin. And I'm right now in championship or bust mode. And Brittany, what's Notre Dame doing? There you go. Hold on. Before we get to, <laughs> before we get to the, the real team here, oh, I just, I just want to read verbatim what I wrote on a rundown because it's hilarious. <laughs> so I put Ohio State beats Michigan again. Yawn. Oh. And is headed to the big championship Saturday. Yawn. They're so good. It's sickening. So see, I complimented you guys. So before now, let's talk about Notre Dame. <laughs> because yeah. I, I really only have one thing to say. Which bowl are um, they playing in? It's- yeah, uh, I don't even want to talk about that. I'm, I feel so disrespected right now, guys. And it's tough for me because the, the latest rankings just came out. And they're ranked 15th. So, like, they've won five in a row. Um, and they've they've moved up one spot since you know being Stanford, which I get. It was a nerd bowl, like smart kids. <laughs> it wasn't a great game. There was like three hundred people in the stands. It was like laughable. But um, I just want to say that Notre Dame is better than Alabama, and this disrespect is really it's hard to stomach. Oh, so do you think if Notre Dame went up against Alabama in a bowl game, Notre Dame would win? No. <laughs> okay. Let's not wait. They are better on paper. No, they're not oh, even better on paper. This is like the Browns. <laughs> I was gonna try and make it come full circle, but I can't even say that with the straight face. They're not better on paper. But I just I had to throw that out there because they did they ended up with the same record as Alabama and they beat more ranked teams. And that's important to point out. Um Alabama ended up at twelve, Notre Dame at fifteen. Michigan, stupid freaking Michigan. <laughs> they they ruined everything for us. They so, do like, every I was year. happy to they I know. So I was very happy to see them lose. Um Ohio State looked amazing as usual. So 
Um, but yeah. Did you? Things. I have to just Don't read this though. You were saying that they're playing in. Well, it's something. projected. <laughs> okay, they're projected to play in something called a camping world bowl. And I just cannot wait, Brittany, until you post yourself in a camping world bowl camping, Notre Dame t-shirt. I was looking at the, yeah, these projections. And I was like, oh, yeah, what New Year's what New Year's Day bowl are we going to get, guys? Let's go. And then I saw camping world bowl at noon in Orlando on 12:28. I was like, what the heck is this? So, we might have the to play we, we might have to play this game. I used to play this game when we worked in college when I worked in college sports. Uh we would bring up a uh, a corporate sponsor bowl and you had to guess which one it was because you know that there, there was always the you know sugar bowl rose bowl fiesta bowl orange bowl like there are all mm-hmm. these bowl games and you just yeah. knew what they were like rose bowls in california sugar bowls in louisiana orange bowls in florida but then you ha- add all these corporate sponsors to it and it just gets so muddy so we actually played the uh, guess that bowl game so we might have to do that on this <laughs> Love that. Yes. once we get into bowl yes. season i'll, I'll prepare it for us i'll get together uh, some 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 of the the bowls from this year, and you have to guess which ones they are. So and yes. we're starting a camping world bowl. Maybe the first <sighs> camping one on that world list. bowl. I mean, God. it's literally like Jesus. Jesus would be so mad right now, guys. I mean, you can see this. I mean, I can't remember what year it was. I want to say it was like two or three years ago. There was a team. It was it may have been UVA in the ACC, and they had a five and seven record and still managed to make a bowl game because there are so many freaking bowls and you can literally take any corporate sponsor and slap it across a bowl game and then like it probably exists like it's it's so insane how many bowl games there are so uh yeah stay tuned for that because we're definitely going to play name that bowl game yes let's do it that's what b said bowl i mean that would be amazing (laughs) oh my god hashtag bowls that would be yes. whew, that would be a great one. Do we have that kind of money? Can yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we have to get people to pay for our cameos first, and then we can exactly, talk about that. exactly. That, we've we've got a plan, ladies. We have our plan. Eight dollars and fifty per cameo. Uh, <laughs> not trolling anyone. All right, guys. Well, this was fun. Again, I hope that we're looking onward to Cincinnati. Four in a row. I'll, I'll be at that game. Yeah, I think I might be FYI. there too. We'll see. We'll <gasps> Orange see. beer yeah. and Zubas, ladies. I'll, be I'll drink the whole Zubas can. This, this is my yeah. promise to you. Drink like six of them because we need a lot of luck for this game. <laughs> Pound them. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening again. Make sure you find us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review us. You can hate review us too. We will take all of the reviews. Yes. We will talk to you all next week after the Browns go 1 and 0.